0: Hey, hello, everybody. I am your host, Felipe. You are listening to the Total Basis Podcast right here live on Facebook through the Baseball Life Facebook group. If you're not in the Baseball Life Facebook group and you're listening to this audio only, feel free to join us. I'll provide a link afterwards um, on the description of the show. But in the meantime, we are definitely live and we have with me as always a Sean. But before I get to Sean. I also have Leon Tompkins of the Step Back over at the Ballist Life Facebook group. Leon, how you doing today, man?
1: Uh, doing pretty well. Uh, pulling out two days and three nights. Uh, I was over also on the uh, Audible over at Football Life for our Super Bowl show. Ooh, I, saw I saw that. I saw that. And uh, Matt Buskell. So that was cool. And I- I'm-, I'm glad for the invite. Thank you, guys.
0: Ah, oh, no problem, dude. Thank you so much for coming on board. We have you on board because uh, we're gonna be talking about your pesky Nationals, the Washington Nationals, as one of our as part of our six-team preview build a lineup series. Uh, that's that includes the uh, Astros, the Marlins, the Tigers, Nationals, Indians, and uh, the Atlanta Braves. So I'm glad you are able to come on board and talk some baseball with us. So, with, without further ado, uh, I'm sorry, Sean. Were you gonna say something?
2: Oh no, no, not at all.
0: All right. Without further ado, I'll go ahead and uh, share my screen as uh, you got to, Sean, you got to enable me to share the screen. So, uh, and okay, good to go. All right. So as always, the spreadsheets run the show because, uh, that's the way we do it here. Uh, and I'm zoomed into the, uh, Relief pitchers, because Sean got the first pick in this uh, mini draft of ours. Remember, we're taking turns, so it was Sean going first, I go second, and Leon gets the third pick uh, this time around, and uh, Sean wanted to go starting pitcher first, and so I went relief pitcher first. Yeah, surprisingly or not surprisingly so, uh, he picked his <laughs> uh, favorite relief pitcher that he's been talking about since last year, James Karinchuk. And uh, Sean, what do you have to say about James Kroenczyk as the number one pick in this uh, mini draft this week?
2: There is no more Brad Hand in Cleveland. And we saw that year after year, Brad Hand was one of the, you know, the more consistent closers in terms of getting save opportunities and getting your very typical save opportunity, you know, a clean ninth inning and stuff like that. Um, I think that's James Kroenczyk's job now. Of course, there are a couple other pitchers that we selected in this little mini draft. Um, specifically your Manuel Classe and then my Nick Whitgren, who are two other guys who could maybe muscle in on Karinczak's territory. But I still think Karinczak has the upside of, you know, like a Josh Hader type pitcher. Oh, wow.
0: I mean, that, that's high praise. But, you know, we've been talking about him all year long since uh, season one of this podcast. So, uh, yeah, not surprisingly that he's the number one pick uh, to go among these six teams. I went ahead and immediately picked up Yimi Garcia, uh, that's another guy we've been talking about here uh, on this podcast before. Uh, I knew Sean has high praise for him. I know I've been kind of looking at him for almost years now, uh, when, in me covering the this sport of baseball. And it looks like he'll finally get the closer's role in Miami. Somebody has to close games in Miami. Why not Yimmy Garcia? So I jumped on him. Uh, I've been picking him in all my mock drafts. So I just kind of instinctively, uh, without even looking at too many at the other rosters, to. Deep. I went ahead and picked up Yimi Garcia on a gut, uh, gut check, uh, you know, gut feeling kind of thing. Over to Leon now. Tanner Rainey, who's with the Nationals, and Joe Jimenez. Uh, Leon, what do you got to say about those two uh, relievers that you picked up there, back to back?
1: Well, Rainey was a bit of a homer pick, but it also, <laughs> you look at his stuff, fights out 100 mile hour fastball, mm-hmm. wipe out slider. He's a closer at a few. Sure, if he doesn't get it by the you know, mid to late of the year, you know he's good for his K per nine and uh high leverage situations. So uh you jump on him now before uh it's too late. And Joe Him as I, I thought was a closer in Detroit. So I uh, I took that risk, but his stuff also plays as well with his uh high nineties fastball and and it's the Tigers, so using in flux anyway yeah I
2: was about to say I don't even think Detroit knows who's closing for Detroit <laughs> but no I love the tanner Rainey pick he's someone who I've really been in on since last year and last year he had elite numbers as well in terms of uh batted ball against you know he had a batting a- expected batting average under 200 uh K percentage over 34 percent um but what held him back was he had a lot of walks in 2019. In 2020, that was corrected a little bit. He still had a a walk percentage around 10%, but the strikeout percentage went over 40, 99th percentile in K percentage, 99th percentile in width. I mean, he's got that great fastball and a great slider. Him and Josh Stalman are two guys this year that are, I think, really going to boom onto the scene of relief pitcher aces. And uh, I I wish Tanner Rainey could have come back to me. I just – I knew one of you guys was going to get him with your first two. Uh,
0: And uh, you mentioned uh, about Joe Jimenez not not knowing uh, – being your Tigers pick. Uh, Word of – a little rule of thumb here is that every single team has to be picked uh, in our lineup. So every team has to be represented, kind of like all-star baseball rules, you know, where every team has to send a representative to uh, the all-star game whether we like it or not. So who doesn't uh,
2: love a Sandy Alcantara and John means all-star appearance.
0: (laughs) So as uh, uh, Leon uh, mentioned, Joe Jimenez was his Tigers representative. So he got that one out of the way really quick. So uh, we move over back to me, Ryan Presley. Uh, I had him last year in a couple of my leagues. I was kind of disappointed in him last year, but uh, you know, new year, new him. Uh, He's still the closer in Houston until other, uh, until further notice. So I'm really happy that he was available for me, as he's projected to get close to 30 saves this upcoming season. So I'm really happy with that pick. So I'm really hoping that, that there's a bounce back uh, in him as well. Uh, is that the way you see it, Sean, or uh, do you see another? Yeah,
2: he was a unlucky pitcher. Uh, he had a 3.4 ERA, which isn't terrible. It's not you want to see your you know your relief ace, your closer have you know an ERA somewhere in the twos, hopefully. But his expected ERA. Was right in line with where it's been the last two seasons. Uh, 249 and 18, 270 and 19, and uh, 274 in 2020. So a lot of the same, just a little bit of bad luck. Um, still posting elite active spin and overall spin rates on fastball and curves. Uh, R- Roberto Zuna is officially out of the picture. So this is going to be Ryan Presley's closer job to lose. Uh, so uh, I-, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to miss Bobby Bear, not for all the off-the-field issues, just because it was a <laughs> hey, fellow Mexican, right? I'm I mean, I'm honestly shocked that nobody signed him or Ken Giles yet. Uh, I'm oh, honestly shocked by that. Oh, they have that astral stench on them, maybe?
0: Who knows? <laughs> uh, let's go over to you, uh, Sean. You picked up Will Smith. I know you like any player named Will Smith, and uh, this one, no exception for the from the Braves. Go ahead and talk about him.
2: Oh, uh, At this point, I was trying to chase saves, you know, like everybody is and with relief pitchers. He's making the most amount of money in that entire brace bullpen. I think he's making more than like everybody else back there combined. Um, the only other two names back there are Chris Martin, who's more of a middle innings guy and Shane green, who um, I've always hated. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think Will Smith is the guy back there. They're paying him 15, $16 million a year. Why not have him? And he's coming, you know, in 2019, uh, he was an elite closer, for San Francisco before he got traded. So more of the same for Will Smith. That Braves team is probably going to win 90, 95 games. Um, Maybe Will Smith saves like 30 of them. He's being really undervalued in a lot of drafts and mock drafts I've done so far, and I don't really understand why.
0: It's probably because he's left-handed, and uh, you know the Braves probably are going to see him. At least this is my perspective on the situation and probably a lot of people's perspectives. And it's the same issue that happened last year was a left-handed relief pitcher, elite left-handed relief pitcher, late-inning uh, guy who can get the uh, key outs in the seventh and eighth inning, uh, and the Braves could utilize him in that role. And again, when you're left-handed, that's kind of the, the role that you are kind of bestowed to have. And yeah. I, last I checked, Chris Martin is the closer, but
2: come on, <laughs> Chris Martin. It's Chris Martin. All he has is like a 90-mile-an-hour fastball and a splitter. I don't get it. <laughs> i mean he's been good he's just like the least sexy relief pitcher of all time he doesn't strike anybody out it's just so boring oh it irks me uh henry
0: has a question for you can we really use uh, by the way melvin's on board uh this morning i'm waiting for him to tell me who won the caribbean world series as uh as you guys yes. know I, i've had i had a hell of a night last night cleaning snow and getting provisions from the grocery store. Uh, Henry uh, is also on board from the dong, from the dong city podcast. They'll be on tomorrow night at I uh, believe, seven o'clock Eastern. And he's asking, can we really use ERA as a measure looking at last year and a small sample size? Uh, one and two bad outings. And all of a sudden your are numbers are inflated. Uh, Sean, what do you have to say? about Yeah, that?
2: that's a very, very valid point. Uh, Jack Flaherty. I, and, um know, yeah. Lance McCullers, I think, are two guys that if you take out one of their starts, their ERA drops like a run and a half or two runs total. Um, in these cases, I haven't seen players with, you know, extreme ERAs. Usually if you go and you can look at the game logs and you'll see like one game where they gave up six or ten runs. I mean, in a 12-start season, that's that's four starts worth of runs in a regular year. Now, that's a third of your starts essentially runs allotment so <laughs> that is a good question. I do agree with them though.
0: Yeah. I mean it's all about context too. I mean if you're looking at ERA and you're not looking at to as to why it's inflated then you're doing yourself a disservice because it was such a small crushing season last year. So um yeah so as long as you put some context I think that's the best approach to have. Also look at projections. I think the projections are going to be everybody's best friends uh this upcoming season. So um look at those as opposed to last year or do the extra work and combine ERAs from 2019 and 2020. I mean that that's also a suggestion. If you're getting, if you're one of those people who want to look at last year's numbers but don't trust 2020, just combine 2019. Hell, go another step further. Combine 2018, 2019, and 2020 if you like. If you want to go that route, yeah. Uh, moving along. Gregory Soto, Uh, you also love anybody named Soto on your team. We'll get to that (laughs) one later. But Gregory Soto, go ahead and uh, tell the people who this guy is because I forget where he plays at this point.
2: He is a Detroit Tiger, and he used to be a uh, starter. I think he actually made seven starts for Detroit in 2019. Uh, 33 overall games, had an ERA over 5.5, a a whip over um, 1.8, under a strikeout per inning. Yeah, he was really, really bad. Uh, and then 2020 came around and he got a little couple extra ticks on the fastball and he was able to ditch the sinker somewhat. And he really doubled up on throwing his slider. Um, he actually threw it less, which doesn't really make sense, but his slider in 2020 was insane. He threw it a total of 80 times in 18 plate appearances and gave up exactly one hit. And it was a single. He struck out 13 of the 18, a 61% whiff percentage. Uh, He was just unhittable. And then with the increased velocity on both his sinker, which went up by over two miles an hour and his fastball, which went up by almost half a mile an hour. I think he is the guy who probably ends up getting saves in Detroit. So that's why I went after him. Nice. Uh, over to
0: me, Brad Hand. Uh, I didn't like him last year. Uh, I kind of like him this year as a bounce back candidate. I'm kind of surprised uh, Leon didn't get him. Leon, you, you end up getting Daniel Hudson and uh, Will Harris as well. Uh, any chance? Uh, any reason why you uh, skipped on Brad Hand in this one? And, well,
1: I think uh, in, in oh, this in, uh, no, I think in this order here. You picked him before I could I could get to him, so that was actually my next pick oh. when I had when I got Hudson. So you picked Hand before I had a chance to.
0: But uh, uh, you did pick Tanner Rainey with your first pick, uh, so you obviously like Rainey over Hand, even though Hand is listed as a closer in Washington. I, I, I like Rainey
1: over Hand too. <laughs> well, go ahead. I, the way Washington I, I believe is set up, Hand I don't think will get as many save opportunities as people think. Uh, you know, he's in there for the Freemans, the Confortos, the, the Dom Smiths of the world. So I, I don't think he'll get as many save opportunities as you, as it's listed that he might get. Uh, Plus Daniel Hudson, you know, he's the reason I'm wearing this sweater. Yep. Uh, it's, <laughs> a, it's, a, it's a bit of a homer pick as well. Uh, Will Harris, I, I thought was, for a moment, I thought was Will Smith. <laughs> so... Tomato, tomato. <laughs> getting, getting jiggy with it over there. Go ahead. I completely bombed on that one, but Will Harris had a like a down year last year. I, I'm not going to put his 2020 stats uh, much into into play. His long uh, track record speaks for itself, and he'll be out there getting high leverage outs. Um, so the, the the rest of my picks were, were a bit homer. So that's,
0: that's <laughs> how I saw it. Yeah, well, that's why we have you on board. So you can make the homer picks that I don't want to make. That's
2: good. (laughs) Hey, I had Will Smith in the 30-team Dynasty League, and I really like Will Smith, Will Harris. And (laughs) uh, I I really liked having him, but I have so many good relievers in that league. I've just, like, accumulated all of the best, including – or I think I had Tanner Rainey at one point. That finally, uh, Andrew Sullivan, you know, from Baseball Life, I was just trying to – I wanted to – I needed to drop Will Harris. But I was like – that's a waste of a drop, and I finally went to Andrew and I said, "I will give you Will Harris. Just give me something back, so I'm not wasting it." And he said, "I'll give you a third round pick in next year's draft." And I All said, right. "Deal. Thank you Deal. so much." Wow. <laughs> what a steal!
0: Um, so Leon thinks that Brad Hand's going to be playing the Will Smith role that I envision Will Smith playing. So that's interesting. I, I don't see Brad Hand as that kind of player, but maybe I'm missing something. That you know, I'm, I'm not like I said, uh, I. I only
2: picture Brad Hand as a as a closer. What's going on, Sean? So, you're you're talking about Brad Hand, the closer, and I do think you know that's apparently one big reason why he didn't sign with the Mets, is the Mets would not promise him you know consistent closing opportunities, while Washington probably could. Um, even though he's a lefty, I could see him getting. I think he's going to get the majority of the saves. I mean, the Nationals just had Sean doodle a little closing games, and he was a lefty for the last like three or four years, but. When Brad Hand was non-tendered, or actually, he was like straight up released. He was released before the non-tender deadline, I think. I believe so. Um, back in October, I put out a tweet uh, that said, because I'm mainly a Debbie Downer, dear Mets fans, Brad Hand in 2020 had a career-low whiff percentage on a slider, career-low fastball velo as a relief pitcher, 91 and a half miles an hour, lowest total whiff percentage as a relief pitcher, under 25% and posted his highest fly ball percentage yet, and yet did not allow one home run. So the results were still there, but I see so many red flags popping up at once that, yes, he's been a very good, very underrated reliever, but we saw how quickly uh, Andrew Miller just kind of fell apart. He lost the velo. He lost a little snap on the slider, and next thing you know, he's walking four or five guys per nine, and he's completely out of a high leverage role. I I'm getting a gut feeling that Brad Hand might be going down that road. Yeah, that's
0: my one hesitation about Brad Hand. But again, you know, we're, we just talked about it. 2020 may have been an anomaly for a lot of these guys. Uh, he's getting a fresh uh, new look outlook in life with in Washington, and that's my banking and picking Brad Hand is that he'll get a you know, change of scenery deal going there, and maybe he'll go back to getting.
2: 25 saves who knows we'll see did you just say brad hand's gonna turn heel is that what
0: i said i don't really yeah
2: know. it's something about heel I, I i don't know i'm learning wrestling terms being around you guys uh, i don't know what any of these wrestling terms mean i just use them in my everyday life like i know what they mean are you working on me right now man you're putting <laughs> oh i know what that means too <laughs> uh,
0: moving on uh i got emmanuel classe who i just realized i misspelled his name emmanuel classe emmanuel Clay. i don't know how to say his name either so oops i'm uh showing too much there uh this is someone that another guy we talk a lot about sean um the guy with the 100 plus mile per hour fastball over yep. the uh, pitch effects he's averaging about 99.5 uh, it looks like so uh yeah velocity kills speed kills uh and uh, i'm banking that maybe that could be relayed into saves for this uh, virtual team that we're doing here so um plus the best part about him sean is you know how i like my cheaters this
1: yeah cheat. yeah he,
0: he cheated but he's, he's one of the bad cheaters because he got caught. Yeah, well. Yeah, know. so he's not very he really cheated. <laughs> and, uh, you, you know
2: yeah. that he's putting in the effort.
0: He's putting in the effort. He's putting a lot of things in his body, <laughs> too. Uh, speaking of Cleveland, you got Nick Whitgren. Uh, go ahead and talk about him really quick.
2: He is a guy who has just always been a steady... You know Cleveland, they, they take they could take Julian Edelman off the Patriots roster right now, and he'd probably pitch to a mid threes ERA in high quality innings. Nothing really sticks out him about him in terms of you know like his any of his savant sliders. He's just a solid control pitcher, and usually the guys like these worry me because he has constantly overperformed his peripherals. But once you start doing it on like a three and four years in a row. I think that's an honest sign of, you know, a skill ability, you know, partially about Chris Bryant. Yes, he's declined four years in a row, but in those four years, three of them, he is constantly overperformed. Um, Woodgren is a guy who, due to Karen Shack's control issues and Klaus A's just, you know, kind of. You know, the fact he's coming off a PED suspension hasn't pitched in a year and a half. Uh, Whitgren could be a guy that you know vultures some saves, so I figured I'd go ahead and grab him. Uh, last year was the highest K percentage he's ever had a little over 28.5 percent. So, um, you know, Cleveland pitcher, what, what could go wrong? What can go wrong? Nothing
0: because they, they, Nothing. It's, a, it's a factory over there. Also, I wanted to mention class A. Uh, the best thing about him is if he doesn't get saves, he'll get holds. At least that's yep. what I'm banking on as well. And I'm pretty sure you guys picked a lot of these relievers with that in mind as well. I know Leon plays in holds leagues, so I'm sure <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: he had that in mind as well. As <clears throat> so I guess something's stuck in my throat. Um, before I move on, Melvin, uh, I, I, we, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that he's letting me know that the Aguilas Sibaenas from the Dominican Republic won the Caribbean World Series last year. And uh, from this, we go to starting pitches, right, Sean? Yep. <laughs> and uh, I have something stuck in my throat, so go ahead, Sean, talk while I uh, figure out what's wrong with him.
2: Well, once again, Felipe made me feel very, very special in that I got to pick where we are going again. So it's like I got to be number one overall pick uh, a second time in a row. I kind of felt bad for uh, Leon and all of this because he went third uh, at the every start of a new uh, position grouping it was an easy first pick for me Shane Bieber was obviously the best pitcher in baseball uh, he won the Cy Young in the American League I believe unanimously or like all but one or two votes um, once again just an elite starting pitcher uh, Felipe ended up taking Max Scherzer he will be back to talk about Max Scherzer in a moment uh, Leon you went Steven Strasberg. Uh, That is a guy I'm not touching with a 10 foot pole. Do you believe in Strasburg's ability to come back from carpal tunnel? And if so, could there be any sort of, you know, ramifications for it?
1: You know, you're looking at this, uh, at the rest of the list, Strasburg, I would probably put above Freed and Cranky, even even with the injury because of his change of abilities, uh, his fastball had diminished anyway, but he became more of a, an off-speed pitcher turned cranky type. So yeah, uh, the injury does scare you because you, you've never seen this before. Um, but if anyone's been pitching through multiple injuries and came on any other side, it's this guy. So uh, I'm pretty comfortable with the Strasburg pick.
2: Yeah, and then you doubled up on that because, once again, you got the pick before you headed back down the other way, and you got a guy that I really, really do like and Sixto Sanchez. And, of course, you being a Nationals fan, me being a Mets fan, we are now going to have to deal with Sixto Sanchez for a long time. What do you like about Sixto Sanchez?
1: I mean, everything. You know, <laughs> his, his control was... Rather profound for his uh, for such little experience, yes, uh, in the pros, uh, his strikeout rate is, uh, walk rate, all of it considering, and, and he pretty much put Miami on his back unknowingly. Um, so I, I like to see what I would get from an extended extended period from him over 162 games. This just looks. Uh, Real promising.
2: Yeah, he looks so polished for someone who is so young. You know, he has that elite velocity. He has a great changeup. I think that's probably his best pitch. Um, The the slider could use a little bit of work, but the command that he's shown with both his fastball, which has not only elite velocity, but elite control, and then the changeup, he kind of reminds me of a, like, seven-inch shorter version of Noah Syndergaard. Just coming up with three-plus pitches, great velocity and a changeup that everyone's his changeups better than Noah's no doubt but it's it's something to see and I really do like Sanchez I was hoping he would come back to me that somebody else would have picked you know like Morton or Grinke, Uh, but you picked Sanchez and I thought that was a great pick uh, Felipe you were gone for a second uh, what are you expecting from Max Scherzer as uh, your first I- overall pitcher here
0: yeah, uh, unlike the other draft from last week where I went with potential and uh, upside, I, I just wanted to pick safety or Max Scherzer, Zach Greinke, uh, those were my first two pitchers off the board. Uh, I I just saw the, this uh, group of uh, teams have a little bit more pitching depth to them. Yes, there and was that, a lot
2: of pitchers to pick from here. I noticed yeah, that.
0: Especially for like the first three or fourth uh, uh, spots in your rotation. So I just want to – you know what, if that's the case, I want to make sure I, I – uh, I got the safest picks here. I, I would have been okay with the Max Scherzer-Steven-Strasburg combination, but instead like i do the Max Scherzer-Zach Greinke. So that's all it was. So just uh, just as we've been talking about, it seems like the older pitchers uh, are the ones who are kind of um, uh, flourishing in today's baseball. So I figured well, I might as well go all in with that theory and see if that's true this upcoming season with uh, two of the older guys who uh, have been one of the more consistent pitchers in uh, the last uh, five, six years now. Yeah. Uh, and, and then you picked up Max Fried, or as I like to call him, Max Fried uh, <laughs> from the Braves, who, uh, you know, young guy, but it took him forever to get here. That's why, that's why when, uh, well, you know, I'll get to my little thing here. But Max Fried, uh, you uh, have high hopes for him this year, I'm assuming.
2: Yeah, I actually believe he has the potential to be the best um, pitcher on that staff. I, I do like Mike Soroka, I just think that upside is very limited in terms of, you know, ability to consistently miss bats. Um, Max Freed, his K per nines went down a little bit this year, but, you know, the results were better. Uh, Still slight overperformance. Um, Last year in 2019, he had an ERA right at four with an an XFIP, you know, around 3.3. This year he had an ERA at 2.2 with an XFIP right over four at 4.05. The BABIP was low. Uh, he gave up, like, next to nothing in terms of home runs, which over a full season, you're going to give up some home runs. That's just how it happens in baseball now. Um, yep. But with his mix of both solid repertoire, you know, a good fastball changeup, and then his curveball is just, like, it's one of the best curveballs in the league. I, something about lefties throwing really loop de curveballs <laughs> will always get me. And he's he's, like, the next best one when it comes to that. So uh, really liked him. And then th- my next pick was Charlie Morton, another brave starting pitcher, a guy who I almost forgot about. And I assume that maybe you guys forgot about granted. I'd probably pick Granky and Sanchez over Morton as well. Um, Morton's biggest concern will be injury, um, yeah. but he immediately steps in, you know, coming off of a very successful run in Tampa Bay uh, to another successful team in the Braves um, in 2020, he was hurt at the beginning of the year. Uh, ended up having a somewhat down year, had a 4.7 ERA, but uh, his ex-FIP and FIP were kind of in line with where he's been the last three or four years, right at around three and a half. Uh, so still room for upside there. He gets out of the AL East, but goes into the National yeast. So it's like getting out of the frying pan and in, into the fire. I mean, he's... Going from one great division of hitters to another great division of hitters. Oh, you'd better be happy. You don't have to see Aaron Judge and you know Mookie Betts and Rafael Devers anymore. But uh, have fun with Freddie Freeman and Juan Soto. Bye. Like that's I I feel so bad for him. But uh, I think he's going to be a good pitcher. Uh, His only issue will be if he gets to thirty games started. If he gets if he starts thirty games, it's a good year, and he was worth the pick. If he starts 15, then uh, we're in trouble. Yeah, that's the reason I didn't pick him, just because of injuries. And he he uh, mentioned that he was
0: ready to retire. He's, uh, I think he'll be 38 coming to this season, or uh, this is his age 38 year, I believe. So uh, otherwise, um, yeah, he's usually a good pick. But uh, even, like I said, even at an advanced age, it seems like starting pitchers are just finally finding their groove. I'm um, just uh, wasn't uh, too. Thrilled to get Charlie Morton. It's the same reason I didn't, you know, these Tampa Bay Rays uh, pitchers. It's the same reason I didn't get Tyler Glass now uh, last week, is because so many concerns about durability and, and, and health. And although Glass now is younger, Charlie Morton is up there in age, so I avoided him as well from that regard. I instead went with Patrick Corbin with my next pick. Uh, was, I mean, there's a lot to like here with Patrick Corbin. I, I, again, just looking for steady, safe floor guys. I think Corbin fits that mold. Uh, as we know, he's the guy, one of the few uh, uh, guys who made that transition from pitching primarily fastballs to just focusing on breaking pitches. Sean, feel free to correct me on that regard.
2: Yeah, I mean, that was what fueled his breakout in 2018 with the Diamondbacks. And uh, he'll yield good strikeouts, just a nice safe pick.
0: And I know if I don't get him here, uh, Leon will steal him away from me. And speaking of Leon, uh, nice pair of pitchers there from the AL Central. Go ahead and talk about them.
1: Yeah, uh, Aaron Savali and Matthew Boyd, you know, you guys go on and on about Savali and we watched it last year as he progressed to that next level. You know, Cleveland just at pitching, churn him out and it's a pitching factory and Savali and was an easy pick here. I believe he slated for the number two slot. Oh, uh, is it him or Plesak, uh, number two?
2: The yeah, yeah, they're they're there. real close. They're like back yeah. and forth.
1: So yeah, way, it, yeah, yeah, either way you're fine. And you look at the <clears throat> schedule. If you look at your fantasy uh, outlook, you know, AL Central is usually a bit weaker, although the White Sox and and uh, um, Twins, oh, twins yeah. their lineups are going to be on par, usually for the most part, but uh, I feel good with Savali and and Boyd. You look at 2019, uh, the first half of that was just outstanding. And then what happened afterwards, is still a head scratcher to me, but his strikeout rate is still on par. ERA went up, but uh, I think over a full year off season and, you know, A.J. Hinch at the helm, maybe he can give him some, uh, some, give him some pointers. (laughs)
2: Some pine tar pointers, right? (laughs) 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 No, I I really, I've always liked Boyd. I never liked him when he was at like that peak of uh, going into 2019. He was like the fantasy baseball world's darling. I mean, people were drafting him inside like the top 12 starting pitchers because they just believed in that late season breakout from 2018 it, it really ended up biting them in the ass. Um, but I still like him now, especially in terms of value. Uh, if you're looking to round out a rotation and get a lot of strikeouts, I still think he's your guy there. Um, and then Aaron Savali, like you said, is just one of those pitchers that nobody's ever heard of all throughout the minors that gets the majors. The next thing you know, over 30 starts, they're putting up like a three, three ERA. And you have to like turn and take notice and be like, damn, who is this guy? But uh, another good pick there. And uh, Austin from, uh, I believe, again,
0: he's from the Inland Empire in California, is wondering if uh, loop-de-doop is uh, a new technical term that he's not aware of. That is, that is
2: officially a technical term. That's what I told him, too. It no, is now- uh, yeah Yeah, that, that, that's a technical term. Uh, if you ever hear uh, a pitching coach say something about he's, he's got a hell of a breaking ball, I, I need the reporter to correct him and be like, would you classify it as a loop-de-doop-de-curve ball? And if they don't look, classify it as a loop loopy doopty then um, they should be fired. They're behind the eight ball. I mean, it's
0: all about having a hula hoop and a play that loopy loops, right, Sean? <laughs> Ian Anderson is a guy that we've been very critical of, not because uh, he's a bad or anything. It's just more about the Braves refusing to uh, add any more pitching to their starting rotation. I mean, Sean just mentioned that they added Charlie Morton. So now Ian Anderson is. Uh, penciled in as what the number three number four starter and that's a i think that's a role that he would be uh more comfortable with at this point he still has a lot of upside he's still a highly regarded prospect from a few years ago so i kind of like him here at my number four spot as opposed to him being at the top of the rotation and being pressured to go an entire season of a grueling 162 game season and uh, trying to duplicate what he did in 2020 for the braves so i like him uh moving forward especially if these are the six teams that we're utilizing uh, Sean goes and gets Zach Plisak and Framber Valdez. Go ahead, Sean.
2: Uh, well, before I go to my two guys, I want to talk about Ian Anderson. Oh, yeah. uh, he is part of that group of, you know, Braves pitchers, the young ones that <laughs> we've said for years, the Braves were going to throw something against the wall and pray to God it sticks. Yep. Ian Anderson, I think has sticking power. Um, yep. He's not an elite spin rate generator as fastball and curveball. Both are like, towards the bottom in the league and spin rate, but he's got a good enough fastball. He has very good command. Well, pretty good command. Um, But the best thing I like about him, and it goes the same thing with Sixto Sanchez, he has the feel for a a, a potentially plus-plus changeup. And to see someone immediately come up from the minors and flash a plus-plus changeup is like so unheard of because usually that's the pitch. 90% of pitching prospects, he's got a good fastball, a plus breaking ball, and he's, you know, flashing a developing changeup that he needs to throw more. That's the story for basically every pitching prospect known in the world. And then Ian Anderson comes up here, throws his changeup over 30% of the time, and a batting average against of 104, XBA of 175, 40% whiff against. It's just insane how good his changeup was. And as long as he can command low in the zone with both the fastball and the changeup, which, um, I'm going to plug Pitcher List right here. They uh, put out an article about a month or two ago about non-elevated four-seam fastballs. And some of the guys that are on that list that you know threw a lot of low fastballs, which seems to buck the trend that we've seen, are guys like Shane Bieber, Kensa Maeda, Trevor Bauer, guys that were really good in 2020. And they showed a lot of graphics and a lot of video. And it's how these guys were tunneling low fastballs and then following it up with, you know, a low sinker or a, a low, low slider, low curveball, low changeup. And I think Ian Anderson is one of those guys who could really take advantage of that. And if he does, he could really stick as like a mid twos, low three ERA guy and be the ace that maybe the Braves aren't expecting him to be this year, but that they expect him to be in the future. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly how
0: I view it as well in terms of uh, where he fits in that rotation uh, for 2020. 21 all right so uh now we go to Zach please Zach Framber Valdez again these are two guys that we talked about in the podcast before uh go ahead and uh
2: share your thoughts on those guys right now please Zach great control he's a Cleveland pitcher um had the little awkward oh that was me moment in the clubhouse in the during the COVID season um ended up with him being sent down uh yep. Framber Valdez has always been someone that's you know, made me watch since my days in, uh, out of the park baseball in like 2018, where he was like this prospect in low A who had 70 grade stuff and 25 grade control. And you, I'd always try and trade for him because he costs nothing, but you would just hope that the control would develop. And, uh, it finally did this year because he's been pitching in the major since 2018 off and on. And his walk percentage has gone down three straight years. Uh, 15% in 2018, a half in 2019, and then in 2020, 5.5%. That's really good. Is that just, you know, shorts or, you know, small season sample size? Probably. The curveball is legit. He had a really good postseason, which kind of really got his name out there. Nobody had heard of him. Um, that curveball is legit. The fastball gets plastered. He... I don't know what to make of him. I think he's a lot like a Matthew Boyd, where he could rack up a lot of say or a lot of strikeouts, but then also get hammered and walk like 10 guys. So, with the amount of hard contact that he gives up, he needs to limit base runners. And the best way to limit base runners is to not hurt yourself and allow walks. So, if the control issue has been solved, then he's a definite thumbs up. If the control issues come back, then he's probably a five ERA type guy just because of how hard he does get hit and when you allow base runners and walks and hard hits bad things tend to happen
0: yeah I was wondering about him too because every time I see him and I didn't pick him up last year because um he was always in the blue uh his, his stat cast page was always blue and I just didn't understand why he was still being so successful and I avoided him last year thinking that well the bottom is about to fall off on him and it never did and and I would look stupid for not picking them up last year. So, um, but anyway, uh, Casey Mize is my guy. He's uh, my Detroit Tigers representative. And I think I told you guys after this pickup was, all right, all six of, my, all six of these teams are represented in my lineup. I am done for the day in terms of <laughs> trying to figure out which Tiger pitcher am I going to get or which Tigers player I'm going to get. Casey Mize is a uh, – last I checked, still a top 10 uh, Major League Baseball prospect. I know he did yeah. not look good at all last year from what I remember, but I'm still, uh, this is a guy I've been keeping track of, uh, keeping an eye on for uh, years now. So uh, I know that Tigers are pretty set with the rotation. They're not going to depend on their uh, big name prospects. I see that Matt Manning is also down in AAA to start the year, according to Roster Resource, along with Casey Mize. But if he gets called up this year, you know he's going to be a highly sought after pitcher. And uh, like I said, there's nobody really that I like on the Tigers that interested me. So I might as well go with the prospect here.
2: Yes. Yeah. So, Go ahead. I I really like Mize. The only confusing thing about him this year was I mean, he got hit hard across the board, but the sinker and four seam both performed relatively well. Um, the four seam mainly. Uh it only averages about 93 and a half, 94 miles an hour. Um, the pitch that he has always been known for since his days at Auburn has been his split finger. And batters hit over 300 against it slugged over 465, and hey you know with percentage under 30 percent with it so that's a pitch where it always seems guys that throw splitters always lose them and then they'll they pick them back up and then they lose them again it's the weirdest Frankie Montas Jerry's familiar it's just a couple of guys that come to mind in which they picked up a splitter we're like oh wow this is a great pitch use it to really good success It gets hammered for a couple of starts, and then they completely ditch it. And I don't think Casey Mize needs to ditch it. I just think he needs to work on his pitch selection. Um, But if that splitter ever does become like a Masahiro Tanaka type thing, I I feel Mize does have a whole Tanaka theme going for him with a four-seam sinker slider splitter with good control, which he's always had. I don't think he's ever going to strike out the world. I think too high of expectations were set on him being like a number one or yeah he was a number one overall pick in 2018 so very lofty expectations i think he's going to be a good starter but i don't think he's going to be the best starter on that staff in three years oh wow that's uh that's kind of disheartening
0: if you're a tigers fan but oh, uh, it's
2: going to be matt manning though so don't don't worry
0: uh, i thought you were going to say the other guy was it uh, school Ta- no yeah. no no matt manning <clears throat> Uh, well, uh, Mize, like you mentioned, uh, has a splitter. He has like a plethora of five pitches that he likes to utilize uh, equally. So it might be one of those things where he's going to have to narrow it down. Unless he turns into Trevor Bauer. So. <laughs> uh adds a pitch every year. Yeah, right. Uh, adds other substances as well. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> Speaking of prospects, uh, uh, Leon went with Tristan McKenzie here. I know he was uh, lights out in a couple of starts from what I remember. Go ahead, Leon. Why did you get Tristan McKenzie here?
1: Well, uh, I figured in this in this scenario, I'd rather go with the potential and upside rather than an ace from a bad staff or uh, an aging pitcher like a John Lester or Sandy Alcantara or a you know, take your high hopes on Sirocco coming back. So I went with the upside of McKenzie and uh, maybe Cleveland will, I'm not sure if they'll have him on an innings limit this year, but uh, I liked what I saw from him last year and, and the potential. And he filled out his flame, kind of reminds you of a bit of a, like a younger Pedro mm. uh, as far as his, his build. Yeah. 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 Um, so, but I think he'll grow into a frame and another year experience would just help him out and going behind those guys and that staff. It just makes a whole lot of sense.
0: Yeah. I like him. I just, um, be, uh, with him, I'm kind of hesitant to pick him in my mock drafts just because he looks like he fits the role in Cleveland. It looks like he'll be starting, but you never know with Cleveland uh, because they're so loaded that McKenzie might be the odd man out. Plus he's still developing. So it'd be a more of a long-term pick, but it's a hell of a good long-term pick regardless.
2: Yeah. He's only 23 years old. The the main issue that worries me with McKenzie and Leon kind of talked about it is his build. Um, He is uh, unlike Pedro. He's, he's tall. He's six foot five, but this dude needs a cheeseburger. Baseball savant has him listed at six foot five. 165 pounds. Jesus. That's, I mean, and I, I'm not trying to say this, you know, the body shame, but that's a, there's literal baseball ramifications for that. Uh, and we saw it because it, as his starts went, you know, he made his debut. And uh, I can't remember who, one of his AAA teammates actually was parked on the parking deck across from the field where they were playing the game so he could watch Tristan McKenzie start. And in his first start, he was hitting 95, 96. And you're like, holy crap, if he can keep this velocity, then he's going to be a really good pitcher because he's got a a nice little grouping of secondary pitches that have all he's shown a comfortable feel for. Um, But as his starts went on, that velocity started to dip down and dip down. And so finally, for the entire year, he only averaged under 93 miles an hour on his four-seam fastball which isn't terrible. It's just in this day and age, it's not really what you're looking for. It was below major league average, but, and then with that small frame or come durability concerns, uh, he's probably been one of the best minor league pitchers since 2015. Mm -hmm. He has a, a through four seasons and uh, one five. Yeah. Four, four seasons and 330 innings. Um, 394 strikeouts and 329 innings, a whip of exactly one. I mean, and this is at all levels. He's dominated. He's never posted a whip higher than 1.05. So he has the prospect pedigree. Then he missed all of 2019 due to injury, comes back in 2020 during the COVID pandemic, and flashes what made him a top prospect. Um, Keith Law had him ranked as like the number 12 overall prospect in baseball, which I thought was shockingly high. I mean, he was ahead of a lot of like studs, but maybe Tristan McKenzie is once again. He has enough of the inherent skill, and then you sprinkle some of that Cleveland dust on it, and then he's like an all-star pitcher. I think it goes without mentioning that baseball savant similarity tracker. Uh, two of the names that pop up there: Mike Clevenger and Zach plays Zach. So, uh, I think he. I think Cleveland has a type, guys. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think so too. Just like you mentioned yeah. the Mariners have a type and uh, the rays have a type. And um, I was gonna say something. Oh, so basically it's just the McKenzie, you're just describing Kevin Durant at this point, right? Is that what you <laughs> moving on he, to he,
1: go ahead. You mean Sorry. Giannis? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> once you go to the frame, that's it.
0: <laughs> was Giannis ever that thin though? I mean, you're a basketball guy, right? Yes. Was y- was yeah, he remember. oh, he he, he was, was
1: he yeah. He was real thin.
0: Wow. I know that Kevin Durant, that was always his thing was, well, if he just gets to the gym and w- lifts weights, and Kevin Durant says, like, I don't care much for weights. But then, uh, I mean, he's pretty well built at this point of his career, I would say. But yeah, I, I didn't, I don't remember Giannis being that scrawny. I have to look at old video or pictures of him. Yeah, the
2: first year or two were like really, really thin. Interesting.
0: Well, that's the pitchers. We've now moved to uh, catchers, where unfortunately or fortunately, I don't know the way you see it here, Leon, but you got the first pick at catcher and you obviously went with the slam dunk here and Travis Darno. Uh, I know he's a rival of your teams. Uh, how good or bad did you feel about picking Travis Darno here? Uh,
1: I, this was probably my best pick I, I felt, wow. you know, considering the list we had here. Uh, I, as far as the position, the catcher was really, really thin. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Darno in that lineup behind Freeman and now Ozuna, that Atlanta offense is just thriving. And he, he did well last year. Hopefully he can continue it. Um, he showed flesh with the Mets. But I think now he eh, has a home, uh, consistent lineup. Atlanta's back for it for another year. I don't see how he can't uh, duplicate those numbers.
0: And it's something that we always talk about. Just like older pitchers seem to flourish in these uh, trying times in baseball. Older catchers seem to find their, uh, their groove as well. Travis Darnold, for a long time was a highly touted prospect under the Mets, never lived up to expectations. Finally finding his niche with Atlanta, and hopefully he gets more playing time where he can uh, uh, really get the uh, counting sets up for fantasy leaguers. Uh, but yeah, you're right. This was a very – like compared to last week, Sean, I, I feel like last week was more deep in catcher which uh, made me optimistic about the position as a whole. This week, however, (laughs) there
2: was nothing.
0: (laughs) There was nothing here. I mean, Wilson Ramos was my consolation prize, which I am not looking to
2: pick up Wilson Ramos in any real (laughs) draft. He's like Salvador Perez light. So you're going to love him.
0: I feel like he's a little bit heftier. I don't know. But <laughs> you Wilson, are right. <laughs> but at the very least, Wilson Ramos will get you a, a decent batting average from the catching position. But at this point of his career, not much else. He's not even a good defensive catcher. At least that's what the people keep telling me about. Oh, he He's he's bad.
2: Yeah, I mean, so, he's always been know. a poor framer, uh, like a below average framer. But uh, Mets Twitter, I mean, the Mets lost two games single-handedly because Wilson Ramos could not make a tag at the plate in which he had the ball, the ball beat the runner and he just could not bend his knees low enough and get down far enough to make the tag. I mean, it's sad. I, I like watching Wilson Ramos. He's like the slowest guy in baseball. He makes Albert Pujols look like Usain Bolt. And anytime he'd hit a double, like, his nickname's Buffalo, and he, there's like these really cute Buffalo gifts that we'd put out whenever he'd hit a double or some crazy thing like that. And he'd have to run, but <laughs> it's—I do think he's not as bad as he was in the pandemic-shortened uh, 20 season. Uh, he is a guy who openly talked about his struggles, you know, in quarantine, not being able to see his, you know, family. Go. It was baseball 100 of the time, and when you start to struggle. With the baseball aspect of it, he said he always would go home, spend time with family and you know, he he would forget about the baseball. But in the pandemic season, he couldn't go home. I mean, he had family that was still stuck in Venezuela who sh- completely shut down all their borders once the pandemic started. He was yeah. worried about them, his family that was already in the country, he couldn't go see every, you know, off day or whatever. So, I think he's someone who the mental strain really affected him. But he still shows the skills. He crushes lefties. Line drive hitter uh, is probably going to bat about 280. He's going to get a lot of everyday at bats, whether it's at catcher or DH. Um, Allegedly, he's lost about 20 pounds working out with his fellow countryman, Miguel Cabrera, as they are now on the same team. Uh, He's an easy guy to root for. I wish him all the best of luck. But Jesus Christ, he cannot catch. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I,
0: I've always liked Wilson when he was with the Nationals, but as he's gotten older, I just uh, I just don't see it. I mean, hopefully it's just a, a thing about the quarantine fatigue, as people are calling it nowadays, but I was this close, Sean and, and Leon, I was this close to getting William Contreras, just because uh, I did not like any of the catches, but I don't know. I feel like if I get William Contreras, then that just sets up a bad and <laughs> for 2021. And, prospects. And, and then, I mean, I already got one. I don't need two of them. But And then you already know how I feel about catching prospects. They're so volatile, and nah, I don't think so. So I just stuck with the safe, relatively safe choice here. You went with Jorge Alfaro, uh, what, the best of the runt there? Uh, yeah, the I, I, there? I,
2: there was – it was basically Jorge Alfaro, a 50% of the playing time Jason Castro – a 75% of the time, Roberto Perez, and that's it. Or whoever is platooning with Travis now I still think it's Tyler Flowers. Um, Jorge Alfaro, also known as the second fastest catcher in baseball behind JT Romito, Um, He literally is Salvador Perez light. He doesn't walk. He strikes out far more. I mean, three straight seasons of a strikeout percent, over 33%, and a walkout or a, a walk rate under 5%. But – in 2018-2019, he batted 262 both years. So he was really close to that Chris Davis batting 247 over three years. Um, but this year he batted 226, which is just 262, just out of order a little bit. So it's kind of the same thing. Uh, but I like the fact that he can chip in some steals. He's not going to be a complete zero in batting average. Um, of course, if this is a OBP league, then Jorge Alfaro's value drops like to the bottom And if it was an OBP league I'm picking Jason Castro um but I like Jorge Alfaro he's chipped in seven stolen bases or actually nine stolen bases over the last three years um a couple of home runs like I said there's their catcher was very thin here and then you also got
0: Freddie Freeman who you know, we don't need to talk about Freddie Freeman do we he's the MVP last year uh he's our MVP or at least my MVP with According to the numbers as well, hey, he means, he kicked COVID's ass. He kicked COVID's ass. uh, Unlike other players
2: who, I mean, COVID. like oh, it, it's unreal. Looking at his savant sliders, 100th percentile and expected woba, expected batting average, expected slugging. Oh my Jesus, it, Leon! I have to ask you, Um, as a Nats fan, does he kill you guys as much as he kills us? <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. He's, he's equal opportunity. Lefty, righty, doesn't matter. Inside out swing. I, I'm I'm sick of this guy already. I, I love him. I, you know, <laughs> Me too. I'm sick of him I, too. I, 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 I'm, I'm so sick of this guy.
0: <laughs> uh, speaking of which, uh, I Leon's team, I ended up getting Josh Bell. Um not the greatest uh, first baseman, but again, considering that this wasn't a very deep uh, class of first baseman either, at, at least uh, when you're comparing them to like uh, Freddie Freeman, but Josh Bell is a nice uh, source of power there, so I felt like, well, I'll get the consolation in this round and uh, go with Josh Bell, a nice, easy choice for me, which leads to Leon getting Yuli Gurriel. Uh, how good or bad do you feel about Yuli Gurriel going to you, Leon?
1: Well, like you said, it was really like the best of the best of the bunch, uh, I guess, of the pick of the litter. Uh, Josh Bell, I-, I think you'll be pleasantly surprised if he's batting behind Soto. Uh, um, you know, he's going to get his opportunities because, you know, they're going to walk him and he's going to find his way to get on base. So if he can replicate, you know, a, a fraction of Pittsburgh's numbers, yeah, you'll be you'll be fine there. But Gurriel, he, Look at the short porch. That's all I looked at for uh, Gurio. Um, the loss of Springer, I, I think, will move him up in, in the lineup. And you have Altuve and, and Bregman and those guys. Brantley. So a good portion of that Houston lineup is coming back. Gurio is just you know solid. Uh, I, I, I just like him over you know Garrett Coopers and Jesus Aguilar's and. I'm not sure what I'll get out of Cleveland. So it's a safe pick with Guerrero.
0: And then you also – you surprised me with your second baseman. You went with Jose Altuve as opposed to uh, Ozzy Albies. I, I was getting ready I to Jose Altuve. I dig it. I love that. I love well, I it. I mean, it's a good pick. I just wasn't I, – I was shocked. That, that means you got back-to-back uh, Houston cheaters. I mean, that's <laughs> – <on your team. laughs> Uh, When I was, uh, I mean, as you can see from me right here on my team, Carlos Correa and Alex Bregman, I was expecting to get all the Astros infielders at the very least. And you end up getting uh, Jose Altuve. So what made you pick Altuve
1: over uh, Albies in this round? See, Albies is someone that is so jekyll and hyde to me. You know his left and right splits, but it also depends on where he hits in the lineup. You saw him before at two and you saw him at seven and eight. Um, He's a free swinger, he, if you put him in front of Freeman and behind of Cunha he's lights out, but if you put him behind Darno and, and uh, in front of the pitcher, well what are you going to get out of him? So obviously is too much of a wild card for me, I, I know what I'll get out, out of Altuve, you know, supposedly, buzzers or not, uh, <laughs> I, I just like his situation in, in Houston greater than I do, uh, Albies. Interesting.
0: Well, I went with Albies. I mean, I know we were very critical of him, uh, in this podcast, uh, just because we don't know what to expect of him. I know he's very inconsistent, very streaky, uh, does not post really high on base percentages, but we, what he does do, especially if you're in roto leagues, he does, uh, get, give you that potential for 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases. So I guess that's, uh, that's my, um, Part of my excitement to get him in this one, even though I haven't been really excited when talking about him. But you know how
2: many years he's gone 2020 and since 2017? Uh, I think
0: what was it? We we saw this last week. I think it was
2: once, I believe. Never. He he's oh, never stolen he more than 15 stolen bases, and he's never I, attempted more than 20. He's never yeah. attempted 20 stolen bases, which kind of blows my mind. But yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not I I love the Altuve over Albi's pick, especially with the news that. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, who we'll get to later, um, is re-signing because I think that bumps Albies to the bottom third of the lineup where he loses that protection. Um, I Like I said, everyone in the fantasy world loves Ozzy Albies. I don't touch him.
0: Yeah, that same here. I, I Like I said, I was getting ready to pick Jose Altuve, but I got surprised that he went with – Leon went with Altuve. You, Sean, went with Cesar Hernandez. That's another one of your favorite players that you mention all the time. Um, go ahead.
2: Uh Yeah, he's Aussie Albies that I can get like for free. Um, <laughs> I, I had it pulled up over here over the last two years. He's batted 280, a 340 on base, 410 slugging. Of course, Albies is going to hit more extra base hits, so I'll, I'll give Albies that. Um, But I think Cesar Hernandez is just a good little player. Even when he was with the Phillies, you know, he was a pain in the ass. Uh, he had back-to-back 370 on-base seasons. In Philadelphia in 16 and 17, and the on base is fluctuated between the high 350s and low 300 or 330s. Um, with Lindor out of that lineup, he's going back to Cleveland. I think he's penciled in as the number one, number two hitter again. Uh, should be a good support of runs. I really like him. By the way, uh, Sean, I just noticed
0: that you picked Brian Anderson when I already had picked him up earlier in this. Oh, <gasps> and then I okay. picked Heimer Candelario after you. After uh, I saw that you, I just noticed that you picked them up. <laughs> under the, under the cap, so uh, We'll go ahead and delete those names and see if we can replace them later on. Uh, <laughs> uh, you also got Trey Turner. I mean, this is a slam dunk for you. I, I'm I, telling you,
2: this was the best team I think I've ever drafted. It was so good. <laughs> but that
0: that's an easy one. Trey Turner is a fide first round pick. But I don't know. What's his ADP at this point? Uh, I is?
2: think it's somewhere in the six to eights. Okay. So,
0: because last year, I think he was like going in the second round among, uh, according to ADP. And I remember you and I looked at it like, what, why the disrespect for Trey Turner? But yeah, I digress. I was happy to get Carlos Correa again. I thought I was going to get all the Astros infield at one point, but Carlos Correa, we talked about on this podcast. Uh, I know we, Sean and I, were really very, very excited to uh, pick him up in our 30 team mock draft that we did last year with the, uh, remind me who those guys were again. I'm sorry.
2: Uh, there was a, uh, that was, um, dynasty uh, no dynasty guru uh it sounds right that that uh, sounds hopefully. about right that sounds about right
0: <laughs> and then uh dansby swanson who i didn't think anybody picked up because i was getting ready to pick up dancy swanson later in the draft with my middle infielder oh so you I, actually I paid then, attention to who was on other teams then <laughs> yeah uh, well i mean yeah but then i got yeah, to i didn't down do down it either so didn't. i should probably just <laughs> shut up i'm like well i can't believe nobody picked B. swanson uh, And <laughs> I that uh Leon did so. Leon, what can you say about Danby Swanson?
1: So Danby Swanson, I, I thought with the biggest benefit of him moving up in the lineup, uh, it, his swing rate was the same, but the protection he that he was provided for by Freeman and Acuna was Albies was supposed to get. Swanson uh, took advantage of so. I mean, Trey Turner and Correa are slam dunks at the position. I think Swanson in that Atlanta lineup, again, uh, just reached the rewards. Uh, uh, Trey Turner, for instance, it kind of depends on where they want to bat him. If you bat him leadoff or bat him number three, uh, two or three behind – I mean, in front of Soto, you wonder if he'll take away from his stolen base opportunities. But he was a uh, pretty – Damn near MVP caliber season last year, but um, I felt good about Swanson.
0: And then uh, you all you went ahead and picked Jose Ramirez, who was the best third baseman you can get in this with these teams. So I already knew that coming in. So you, I don't know if you guys noticed, but I immediately picked up Alex Bregman. Yeah. Right afterwards. So, well, yeah. so, so it was. I mean, you guys made the, the decisions for me so much easier. I was pretty happy just picking up everybody's uh, spare parts, so to speak. Uh, and then you get very curious with Heimer Candelario with uh, with Sean's team here. Um, I did not see Heimer Candelario as a starting third baseman, even with these six teams. Although, truth be told, Sean, I don't remember who was available after this. I just know that it got thin really quickly once all the good uh, infielders were picked. So, uh, Jaime Candelario, was that the case for you, or do you really see something in him?
2: I I think he's a legitimate hitter. I mean, last year in 2020, I mean, could be just small sample size, but a lot of the metrics and his peripherals back him up. He was 297, 369, nice, 503 slugging, seven home runs, one stolen base. Uh, Strikeout percentage came down, walk percentage went down a little bit up, but his swing percentage went up, so he became more aggressive um, it appears actually, yeah, swing percentage went up a little bit. Um, so I think he's a guy, he's still only 27. Um, so I'm not mad at it. Uh, <laughs> who And your, you said you didn't think he was a starting third baseman on this team. Uh, who do we have picked uh, Austin Riley foreshadowing to one of our corner infielders, maybe like, I don't know who else you could really could have picked because yeah. the nationals have another prospect, uh, Foreshadowing, maybe the Astros you picked Bregman and the yeah. Marlins have Brian Anderson, who we obviously both like so much that we both picked him.
0: <laughs> I think in this situation, I would have picked uh Brian Anderson over Jaime Candelario, okay. but I mean, eh, so, you know, they're pretty much similar players at this whatever point. floats your boat. Yeah, uh, speaking of boats, uh, Juan Soto, uh, this is an obvious one you call him Juan Goto,
2: and <laughs> shout out to Eric Cross over at Fantrax, he is labeled the, the Juan Goto thing.
0: Uh, so we know about him. I have him in my uh, in our Keeper League that we have, the Baseball Life Keeper League. I have him as uh, my keeper for 2021, no issues, no problem. I don't want to I... pass
2: over him too quickly because we do have a Nats fan on. Leon, how yeah, exciting is it to have Juan Soto on your team?
1: I mean, so I have a story. So when the Nationals came to Yankee Stadium, uh, I saw his two-home run game here. He hit one in the upper deck. In the, in the bleachers, the right field bleachers, and he went the opposite way with Gartner, uh, mistimed his jump, and he had a second home run. And then, you know, they go back and the time frame and his first home run was this date because they suspended the game and whatnot. But watching him is it, so special because you, you look at his World Series performance, mm-hmm. he very could have easily been the MVP. You know, yeah. so young, so polished to have that plate discipline. It's insane. It's scary, what, yeah, it, it's scary what could have been if, you know, Harper, Rendon, and Soto were on that same lineup at, at full potential. I mean, I like what I see now, but it's just almost like what uh, i across over here, uh, scary hours uh, if you're into James Harden.
2: <laughs> so the thing that I really do like about Soto, and it's because I'm a sucker for, you know, on base – is you know, he is a fantastic guy. In his age, 1920 and 21 seasons, his lowest season on base was his 401 in 2019. His lowest, That's his amazing. lowest at night at 19 years old, he posted a 406 on base percentage. That's like what? And I do think that a lot of people I feel like Juan Soto is very much like Joey Votto except I think he's going to hit for a little bit more power because he's a little bit more aggressive. Joey yeah. Votto was very happy to take his walk and try and create offense that way. I think Juan Soto has seen, you know, Harper leave. He's seen uh, Rendon leave. And I think he's going to take it upon himself and he's going to say, you know, uh, Marshawn Lynch, i put the team on my back. Juan Soto's going to do that. Well, he also has Trey Turner on the team. Let's, yeah, let's, yeah, he's he's got to knock Trey Turner in, of course. There you
0: go. That's what I wanted to hear. Uh, no, I love Juan Soto, man. Like I said, I have him my team. I'm good to go. I love watching him at bat. It's, one, it's must-see TV right there, isn't it? Juan Soto yeah. and Juan Soto plate appearance. You got to stop what you're doing because his antics alone are just hilarious. Uh, I mean, yeah, so I, we can talk about him all day, but we, everybody knows who Juan Soto is. Uh, just wanted to co- get to a comment from Austin from California, who's thank you for sh- uh, waking up early with us to, uh, this morning. Uh, wanted to talk about Ozzy Albies. Uh, he had him in a couple of lineups last year. He was streaky last season when he came back from injury. So I'm not the only one who thinks that he's the ultimate yeah. streaky player. But, hey, when he's on those hot streaks, man, boy, you're happy to have him on your team.
2: And especially when he's facing a lefty. Like, if it's you're in a daily league, then, yeah, I'm playing him all the time and I'm pairing him up with somebody else because he dominates lefties. He absolutely crushes lefties. And uh, Steve, Looking though- at you, Stephen Matz. <laughs>
0: <laughs> even even though sean got juan soto here uh, i was more than happy to pick up ronald Acuna. like i've been happy just all right you don't want this guy i'll take that guy then I, this has been a very satisfying draft for me even though it doesn't seem like i got a good team on paper but i mean this is another example uh, you you got juan soto i'll gladly gladly take ronald Acuna, who may or may not be the number one uh, overall um overall uh baseball player coming into 2021 drafts uh, sean leon is uh, Ronald Acuna your number one uh, of number ones here, or is it somebody else? We'll start with Leon first.
1: Top of my head, it, it's hard to see. It's hard not to see as number one. You know, potential. I mean, what, it was a stolen base away from fifty-fifty.
0: I forget, Sean. How uh,
2: he, he he
1: For hit forty-four. 40, 40, he, those, yeah, he was he was
0: 40,
2: 40, 40, 40 I believe. Okay. So
1: it it, it three stolen two, bases away. Two, he got one.
2: hurt at the end of the year in uh, nineteen. That's what it was. Right.
1: Oh, that I remember that. No. Right. So, yeah, it's hard to ignore that.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sean, you obviously don't see it that way because you went with Soto at Acuna. Or, uh... Yeah,
2: Acuna is probably around three for me overall. I don't like picking him number one. Uh, 2020 was a, a, an odd season for Acuna in which he posted his lowest batting average of 250, but then raised his on-base percentage by over 40 points from his first two years to 406, had a career-high slugging percentage, 581, um, He struck out a lot. He had a strikeout percentage close to 30%, I believe, uh, which is scary, but the walk percentage was great. And overall, that's a better offensive player, even though he's not hitting 280, even though he wasn't as flashy. Overall, a 40-point jump in on-base and an 80-something point uh, jump in slugging is better than any small amount of batting average, whether it's e- even if it's a 30 point thing of batting average. He was better in 2020 than he has been in any other year with a 30% strikeout rate. In a points league, the strikeouts worry me, so I avoid him there and the stolen bases don't matter as much. I still have him and Trout as 1A, 1B even in like a roto league where the stolen bases count. And I think Acuna is going to have the edge there, but I still think that we're going to have one season of Mike Trout where he's going to steal 30 something bags. And then he's never going to run again. Mm -hmm. I still think there's, there's one year of Mike Trout left in that. Uh, But Acuna is a solid. Anyone who picks him in the top five picks is not doing anything wrong. I just like Juan Soto. I think he's just the complete package and hell, over the last two years, he's chipped in 12 stolen bases and six stolen bases. So he's not a complete nothing there, and I think he's a much better hitter.
0: Uh, so that means that Leon, uh, at the 11th hour, right, it seems like he, uh, we hear Ozuna got signed by the Braves, and Leon immediately picked him up right after. Is that how yep. it went down,
2: Leon?
1: Yeah, it was pretty close. <laughs> that, that's, that's exactly how it went down. Uh, <laughs> the other options I was considering was not, uh, I didn't think it would be pretty, so I lucked out there.
0: And then you uh, on the turn you got another homer pick in Victor Robles. Uh, go ahead and do you still high have, have do you still have high hopes for Victor Robles there, uh, Leon?
1: I do. I wasn't encouraged though by well, what I saw last year and so far what I'm hearing uh, what he did down in the Caribbean uh, league. But I think by you know by May he should be at the top of the lineup, and that will increase his value. Uh, exponentially so once he gets to the top of the lineup you know you could finally see his you know more of his tools on display because well, what you're seeing now it, it, I, I think is a, a fraction of what he's capable of so yeah, I know I'm he, taking the upside
0: he comes with a lot of high upside I know everybody's waiting for him to kind of live up to those expectations so we'll see uh if 2021 is his year I went ahead and again just picking him up a- the spare parts that nobody wants. Kyle Tucker is another guy that we talk about a lot here. I forgot
2: he existed. And then when you picked him, I was like, oh, my God, he would have made a great second outfielder for me.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Well, he's projected to uh, hit uh, anywhere between 25 home runs and 20 stolen bases. so He's going to be a
2: 30-30 guy. I honestly believe it. That's what I'm hoping for, and so when
0: people come up to me and say, make fun of me for for ignoring stolen bases, these are the stolen bases that I'm looking for. I don't want some punch and Judy hitter who only does one thing and one thing only that steal bases. I want a guy who could do both, hit for power and steal. So that's my guy. Speaking of which, Sean, the traditional uh, power speed combo, Starling Marte at 32 years old,
2: who I absolutely fan. hate. <laughs> I, I hate drafting Starling Marte, but um. Once you took Kyle Tucker off the bar, uh, board, who I honestly I had completely forgotten about him, uh, but I realized that Starling Marte is really just like an older, uh, much more riskier version of Kyle Tucker. Um, <laughs> he got you know traded from the Dimebacks to the Marlins mid-year. The Marlins picked up his option. He, he, just, he doesn't get on base. He'll bat 270-ish. He'll hit about 15 home runs especially in that Marlins ballpark, I, I see his power, his home run numbers being very, very low yeah. in, in a in a harder pitching division compared to where he's been prior, both in Arizona and Pittsburgh. Um, I think his power is going to be suppressed. He's already – he's what, now 31, 32, so the speed's going to be suppressed. Yeah. Uh, this could be the year that we finally see Starling Marte fall off, but I, I had nobody else to really pick here. So <laughs>
0: yeah, Starling Marte
2: it is for me. I usually, I'd never draft him, and I always eat it later in the year in roto leagues.
0: I said, the, the depth just kind of went off the rails after a while. As uh, I mean, you end up getting Michael Brantley as your third outfielder, which is a solid pick. But
2: Former Blue Jay legends, Michael for, Brantley.
0: For, for, <laughs> all, for all six hours, I think it was. Two. Um, it wasn't even that. <laughs> and, and, and if you were to put Michael Brantley in the outfield, I think you're just asking for trouble. But last I saw, Roster Resource has Michael Brantley as a starting left fielder, which I'm like, ooh, I don't think I want that. But you know what? They got Jordan Alvarez too. So pick your poison, right? Uh, So getting back to your team, Michael Brantley here, Sean, Um, we know that he has a good eye. We know that he can hit for average. Uh, Do you not see him uh, peaking and now going on the downturn of his career anytime soon here?
2: I mean, he could be, but at the same time, like Michael Brantley has just been when healthy, one of the most consistent professional hitters in baseball. I mean, well, he has been healthy the last like four years. Yeah. um in 2017 was the last like injury riddled year uh he only played 90 games had an 801 ops and then every year since 143 games including with cleveland in 2018 uh 832 ops b- batting average over 300 2019 first year in houston 148 games which would was the most games he had played since 2014 that's like insane to me um But he's like Nick Marcakis. I mean, he just goes out there and he hits and he hits doubles and he hits for average. He's clutch. Uh, I think that this is a great lineup for him to come back to. The pieces are still there for that to be one of the best offenses in baseball. Um, Like you said, in the outfield, I feel like you're asking for trouble. He's definitely slowed down. He's not the 15, 20 stolen base guy he was anymore. And so in the outfield, that speed's basically gone but they're going to work him in DH, DH is built in. So um, it's worked for Houston the last two years. I don't see why it's not going to work now. Then speaking of bad outfielders, I got, I
0: ended up getting famil Reyes who uh, in real in, in 2021 terms, he doesn't really qualify for the outfield. But this is my uh, my, my little uh, kiss of death to Sean for picking Vladimir Guerrero as his first baseman last week. Like, if he gets to pick first baseman, if he gets to pick <laughs> Vlad Guerrero at first base, I get to pick Samuel Reyes in the outfield. He does have 162 career games on the outfield. Not good, but who are we to judge? But yeah, Reyes, <laughs> all power, all the time. He's one of my favorite players. Uh, hey, he ever- played one game in the outfield last
2: year. That's, and it was I'm only like, five innings. I believe that's <laughs> one
0: more game than uh, Vlad played last year. I don't remember. I don't know. I honestly don't know. don't <laughs> know. Uh, fun fact. I'm just looking it up right now. Uh, Framiel Reyes has a negative 14 defensive run save in the outfield for his career. So, uh, oh, and uh, n- I won't go any further than that. But Framiel Reyes, uh, just a great source of power. And then we move to Leon's team. He got uh, Corey Dickerson uh, and a couple of left-handed hitters here, Corey Dickerson and Kyle Schwarber. Go ahead and talk about those guys there, Leon.
1: Well, I took Corey Dickerson because I could not take – I could not see myself taking my Kickers so another brave. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, Dickerson, you know, you saw, you saw him in Pittsburgh. You see him last year. He's a pesky hitter with power. Um, you know, he's going to get out of him in that uh, Marlins lineup, Mar- Marlins Park. So considering the rest of the uh, options, figure why not? Stickers uh, some solid. And Schwarber, I-, I think, will have a pretty, pretty good year. Uh, you know, he's going to get out of him all power all the time. Uh, probably bat him six, uh, six, seven in that range. So he's going to rack up on uh, whatever Bell leaves behind. So uh, I-, I feel pretty solid with that.
2: That's not too bad. I you? like I like Corey Dickerson. I'm shocked looking at his career numbers that he has a 497 slug. That's a, almost a 500 slugging. Percent. I would have guessed him to be like 430. But um, high batting average. Uh, he, he's a good batting average horse. Doesn't walk. So if you're in an OBB league, uh, value drops a little bit. Uh, but should be in the top of the lineup for the Marlins. I like this pick. Good job, Leon.
0: And then uh, this, this is where the controversy starts, right? But first of all, I, I just got a comment on Austin Spear uh, from California, who is uh, a big Angels fan. We talked about Mike Trout stealing 30 bases. He's, he counters with saying, That's, that'd be great, except that the Angels don't steal. It, w- it would be very odd to see them change strategies, although I would love to see them go back to more stolen bases, which kind of reminds me, like, well, there was a guy, you guys had a manager that loved to play that old-school small ball style, and Mike Sosha... And you guys couldn't wait to get rid of them. So yeah. it's
2: like you... I was about to say winning teams don't steal bases. Go back and look at those old angels teams. When Mike Trout stole 40 bases, they weren't good. <laughs> the, why do you think the Royals always lead the league in solo bases? <laughs> they suck. <laughs>
0: um, Brian Anderson, right? Uh, that's a controversial pick because uh, Sean also likes Brian Anderson. Uh I feel like he was the best of the bunch in terms of utility. But then I saw that Jordan Alvarez was available after the fact that uh, Sean picked him up. So uh, yeah, I, I, I told was... you, I messaged him. I said, you guys fell asleep at the wheel here. Yeah, well, I was uh, distracted doing like multiple things. And I... It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, you're right. I could <laughs> be completely, literally, I slept on the steering wheel, I guess. <laughs> I was driving in the snow last night. Um, but yeah, no, I think I would have gone with Jordan Alvarez had I known that he was still available. But Brian Anderson, I've I liked Brian Anderson for a long time now. Solid, uh, solid contributor. Um, nice, safe, uh, late round pick there. If you are looking for a bat in these drafts, we know who Jordan Alvarez is. He's coming back from uh, double knee surgeries. Is that correct, Sean?
2: Yes. And he's, uh, I just pray to God the knees hold because when the, when he's healthy, he's just uh, an absolute animal at the plate. Um, I just, he's a big guy. He can't really stay healthy. Um, You would think his days in the outfields are already done after only like what, like 30 games out there. But um, he's going to have to play a little bit of outfield to give other guys chances at DH. But uh, if he's healthy, he's going to be a great pick. And I've noticed with Alvarez in drafts, his value is still very much high. People are still picking him early. Um, So beware of you know, people trying to trade for him, uh, you can still get a King's Ransom. I've seen some trades involving him that player they're getting back unheard of types talent for him. So Wow. That, that's a weakness of mine, if
0: I may intervene really quick. A weakness of mine is uh, acknowledging that the designated hitter, uh, the sole designated hitter, like the guys who only play DH and that's it, that's all they do, I fail to acknowledge that they exist. So that Jordan <laughs> Alvarez is a casualty of my uh, ignorance there. Uh, Andres Jimenez, there's rumors that he might start the season in Triple A, Sean. I don't know if you heard those rumors. I don't see why they would... Uh, it, it makes no sense
2: to me. It That's makes absolutely no sense to me.
0: But we talked about him um, in our first episode back in season two. Uh, that You like him a lot, and especially with Cleveland. He should be the starting middle infielder somewhere.
2: Even yeah, with 15 Hernandez. to 25 stolen bases because Cleveland's... Hey, Cleveland's not going to be a good team. They're going to steal a lot of bases. Jimenez, exactly. Mercado... Robert. Probably Rosario, uh, yeah, they're going to steal some bases. They got some speed, but they're Romita, not a very good
0: offense. Moncada, come on, pretty mama.
2: John Birdie. Speaking of stolen bases, uh,
0: I, I don't like any middle infielders that were left over in this, uh, in with these six teams. I don't at all. But Birdie is a nice fallback. There it is. There's there, there's Felipe picking the stolen bases only guy. So,
2: <laughs> hey, and nice. positional versatility
0: guy. There you go. He plays he, everywhere. Speaking yeah. of positional versatility, Starling Castro, uh, another homer picked by Leon, but I think uh, what you uh, like him coming into this year for sure there, Leon?
1: I, I do. You can slide him anywhere in the lineup. You, you know, he's a professional hitter, uh, pretty good for it. You know, 15 to 20 home runs a, uh, a year. I think we'll drive in some run, uh, get some RBIs for you. Solid 280 hitter. So the track record. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty and good. he has great
2: numbers at, um, Washington's ballpark which was something I liked about him when he came into the 2020 season. Uh, it was an up and down year. Um, the only kind of funny thing I have to say about Sterling Castro right now is in a lot of Facebook debates I've been in with people's Mets fans want Charlie Blackman in center field which is hilarious. And I said, if you take Charlie Blackman out of Colorado, he's basically just Starling Castro. And I keep meaning to go back and look at their numbers, but I'm pretty sure because he has a career 280, 319, 414, which is a 733 OPS. And I'm pretty sure Blackman's away OPS is like 739 or something like that. So I might actually be onto something here. Wow. Um no comment. For those who
0: know, but <laughs> I will say this about Sterling Castro. For those who know me, um, there's a group of players that I dislike. I know people tag me in the Derek Rose post in the Ball is Life uh, <laughs> post from uh, was it Jacob last night? Um, Sterling Castro is in that category, and uh, so, but I don't hate him as much as I hate Derek Rose. I'm just gonna leave it at that. <laughs> but let's just say I was happy the day Sterling Castro was traded away, like he they got rid of him. So um austin riley now uh big big power bat there leon do you believe that he can play consistently to stay in the lineup there in atlanta
1: i mean i think he's better than Camargo. Mm. you know and if anybody saw last night camargo i believe camargo hit the home run uh last night in the in the world series game so you know riley uh big power guy I, i didn't like the other corner uh options available. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not too high on Kibum yet. Mm-hmm. So uh, I figure I, I go with the big power guy in a good lineup and
2: hope for the best. Yeah, he's expected to be their opening day third baseman. Um, there are some things to like about him. You know, he has the prodigious power. Um, the thing I am most excited well, you know, quote unquote excited about that I could really buy into him. He chased less and his strikeout rate went down from like 36% to – I just had it pulled up. Uh, yeah, 36.5% to 235 half. So that's significant change there. And then in his plate discipline, he went from a 20.5 swinging strike percentage last year to 14.8, which 14.8 is still really high, but it's not the – absolutely benchable, like 20%. Like you're just whiffing at everything. Um, But when he hits his home runs, they just sound nasty. Yeah. Like he had a couple, yeah. like when they beat the Marlins, they scored like the 29 runs. I think he had one or two home runs. He just hit like tanks. So if he's in like the seven or eight hole in that Atlanta lineup, like behind Ozzy Albies, I could see him being a cheap source of like 25 home runs and maybe like 75, 80 RBIs. I, I like this pick.
0: Just really quick. Uh, Since you mentioned Charlie Blackman, I went ahead and looked up his career away stats. I, I did too. <laughs> oh, you did? I thought you didn't do it. I thought you were looking to do it. Never mind then. But yeah, 747 ops is what I see. Yep. There. So within 16 points, pretty damn close.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's
0: kind of sad. I know that there's always going to be a, there's going to always be drastic road home splits. With any player but uh, that's pretty disparaging all right so we have a couple of blanks here we need to fill them up i have nothing left for you guys to get uh, to give here so i'm just going to go with another prospect and get nolan jones on my team and then call it a day nolan jones a highly tired prospect um looking forward to the day he gets called up although with cleveland i don't know how much uh they want to take their time with him but uh whenever he gets called up he seems to be the real deal or at least that's the hope good polish hitter good source of power uh, I did not realize that he used to play hockey and had to quit the sport because of concussions so oh. that's I, I didn't
2: I didn't know that either
0: yeah I just kind of looked it up right now so that leaves Sean with the
2: irrelevant pick here at corner infield <laughs> go ahead who is your guy I'm going with Carter Keboom who I yeah. absol- <laughs> who I absolutely hate and I have no reason to hate him because if you look at his careers in the minors he is a guy that I would just be all. Over The only red flag that I've seen and that is prevalent in his major league game is in 329 games, 14, a little over 1450 played appearances. He has about 300 strikeouts, which isn't a terrible rate. But when you look at what has held him back in the majors, it's been strikeouts. But otherwise, in the minors, he was a 287, 378 on base. Like, that's like awesome. And then 469 slugging. uh I think another thing to be worried about is the potential power issues. He's never slugged over 500 anywhere in the minors, even in the PCL, which is just you know, yeah, a slugging paradise. So does he really have? Because it used to be he was a shortstop, and yeah. at shortstop, a 495 slugging is just fine. Yeah. But if you're at third base and you're only slugging about 450, 460, then you're and you're not playing great defense, then you're a bit of a liability. Yep. So I don't know what to think about kiboom Maybe he's just taking a while to get adjusted. Maybe he's Gavin Cicchini. I don't know. It, talk about a name. Former Mets top prospect who got called up and never really did anything.
0: What did you call the, uh, the AAA uh, league that Kibu was in? What, what uh, was the it PCL.
2: Called? No,
0: but you call it a what paradise?
2: Oh, a hitter's paradise.
0: Oh, yeah. I love that song by Coolio. Um, <laughs> Boom, the Kibum brothers. If Carter Keboom doesn't uh, do anything with the Nationals, uh, that's that's another strikeout for them under the Kibum brothers, right? Because the catcher also fell under, under under their uh, watch. Is that yeah, he, yeah. He
2: was, uh Spencer was traded, wasn't he? Not, I, I believe. Uh, you tell me. Mia, I don't know. What, what happened? I, there? I
1: think I think he retired. Oh, I'm almost saying he retired. Oh, wow. okay. Uh, like uh, like some uh, concussions. That, that, that deal yeah
2: he, he retired wow yep i'm, I'm looking at him he was retired Yep. Yeah. well
0: that's a shame well i mean concussions are a killer whether you play hockey like nolan jones or uh uh key Boom's brother what was his first name spencer spencer, spencer. Key, key Boom. yeah so that sucks but uh that's it that's uh 60 players from six different teams we finally made it to the finish line for those who uh, made it this far thank you so much for listening And uh, paying attention, hopefully this was uh, sound, uh, not just fantasy advice, but also get you ready for the upcoming season. And if you're a fan of these six teams like Leon is of the Nationals, I hope that we were able to educate you on these teams a little bit, even though we didn't mention a lot of Tigers or Marlins players, but for good reason, you know what they need to do, Sean and Leon. You know what they need to do is uh, spend that money.
2: Stop being cheapskates. Hey, the Miami Marlins were a playoff team last year. I think everyone's forgetting that. That's because everybody made the playoffs last year. (laughs)
1: It's also because they missed about three weeks and had an advantage, so I won't get into that.
0: <laughs> uh, well, Leon, I, I might as well ask you, did you think that the Nationals last year had a better team than the Miami Marlins last year?
1: After stress, after Strasburg and Casco went down, no. Okay.
2: Yeah, uh, that's I feel the same way about the Mets. Like once Strowman opted out and Syndergaard was out with Tommy John, it was like or, at that point, you just run out of arms. And that was the one thing that Miami had t- in spades. So th- the pandemic season was perfect for them because they played all those double headers and they said, you know, hell, we got all these guys in AAA that could probably make a start or two and keep us in the game. And that worked out perfect for them. So,
1: same as Toronto. Oh, really.
2: <laughs> That's right, yeah, and uh, mostly,
0: I lost my train of thought here. Oh, right. So anyway, well, Leon, thank you so much for coming on board. Uh, go ahead and plug your podcast over at Ball is Life.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, Wednesday nights Ball is Life uh, podcast. We have the Step Back uh, going next, this Wednesday at eight. We're going to cover the All Star Game fiasco and uh, courtside Karen. You know, maybe we'll we'll have some of that. LeBron. LeBron and Giannis have some things to say. We'll uh, stir it pot a bit and, uh, you know, get that going. Maybe, maybe KD might make an appearance. Hey,
2: <laughs> me and that. Felipe are over here battling off in our best basketball like meme icons. <laughs> I, I,
0: I believe we're basketball boging
2: Yeah. I, <laughs> uh, I, I tried to do the James you- Harden like eye roll and look away like. Well, I have the beard for it right now. So.
0: yeah. Uh, really quick, you guys. It is Super Sunday, the, su- uh, the big game. I don't think we're supposed to call it by its real name, but it is Super Sunday. It is supposed to be the big game that everybody's watching over at the Football Life, uh, folks. And Leon, you just mentioned you were on that podcast. I was supposed to be on that podcast, make a special appearance to talk about the weekend because that's all I care about in this game. And uh, work schedule got uh, conflicted there. so. But I didn't catch your prediction. Who do you have winning today there, Leon?
1: Uh, I had the Chiefs 34-27 with uh, Pat winning uh, MVP. Nice.
0: Sean, let's get a Super Bowl. Uh, sorry, let's get a, a bowl. Let's get a bowl. I,
1: I, have, a,
2: uh, I have the Houston Oilers winning 9-7 uh, to seven over the uh, Baltimore Colts. Uh, nice. Long Lady Johnson is going to have about 272 rushing yards. Um, there's going to be 17 concussions, and it's going to be a real barn burner. Oh man,
0: I, I, think I haven't White, followed Billy NFL at all Johnson. this
2: year, so I figured I had to do something
0: stupid. <laughs> um, I, I think I like Billy White Shoes Johnson for the. Uh, though, huh?
2: well, okay, is he well, Sean, related to Long Lady Johnson?
0: Maybe. <laughs> let me tell you, there, Sean, though. It's the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. So basically, Tom Brady versus Pat Mahomes. So uh, again, <laughs> with that, li- well, with that little knowledge, I mean, who do you have? Uh,
2: you have? I'm gonna go Buccaneers because Tom Brady is Tom Brady. And Almost I think won. it's going to be. I, I want to see what happens when Antonio Brown wins the Super Bowl again. <laughs> Has he won one? Did he win one with Pittsburgh? Was he like really
1: young on that that team? Maybe I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. I, I don't remember. Maybe a Steelers. He was sent. I think it was Antonio and uh, I think he was on that team. Almost certainly he was. Well, it, it
2: was, he was really guys. close because that was like the he, Mike Wallace was the, the big receiver on the team, right? 60 minutes. Oh, um, who, who, who knows?
0: final score there sean give me a final score there for tonight's game.
2: uh i'm gonna go uh florida patriots uh 37 chiefs 34 all right i have <laughs> they have chiefs. how many patriots do they have their entire team is former patriots
0: they have all the patriots i mean they they, they, they have all the patriots and they went out and stormed the Capitol on january no but <laughs> Uh, what was I was going to say, um, I have, uh, uh, I want the Chiefs to win 27-20. I-, I will say, I want, I didn't get a chance to share my little dream that I had, uh, that my nightmare, so to speak, oh, nightmare God. scenario uh, on the football pocket. So I'm going to share it here. I had a dream that it was the Chiefs who were down 27-20 with 30 seconds or so to go, and the ball's on the 15-yard line. Pat Mahomes has four chances to tie the game, four of them. So money in the bag, right? In this nightmare scenario, Pat Mahomes fails to hit any of his receivers, Travis Kelsey, um, Tyree Kill, in the end zone, and the freaking Buccaneers win, and Tom Brady is uh, – everybody's on their knees uh, uh, sucking at the mighty uh, – <laughs> Whoa! So, Whoa! You know, I mean, I mean, every time anybody ha- – oh, man, Tom Brady. Uh, that's all I see is just them going – I, I thought I had just, my Blue Jay issues
2: last week. and Now we're talking about knees. And
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, man. Like, you guys need
2: to get off your knees, man. It's
0: i, I just, the guys, uh, old uh, Toronto uh, uh, Blowjays, the, the, the Toronto Blow Jays and uh, the Tom Brady, uh, slobber, slobbering, uh, idiots out there. But no, uh, but uh, yeah, I'm hoping that that doesn't happen, <coughs> My nightmare does not come true, and the Chiefs can take care of business, and the Tampa uh. Homes era can officially start in the NFL. So that's all I have to say about that. Uh, actually, catch, I mean, we mentioned the step back, so Dong City is on Monday nights, uh, Tuesday should be, um, the The football podcast the audible thank you with uh, Randy and uh, Matt so I can't wait to hear yeah you think I'm mad wait until Tom Brady wins another Super Bowl and Matt Bushnell has to (laughs) go on the air and eat crow and ravens and all the (laughs) blackbirds and uh obviously Leon just mentioned the step back on Wednesday uh the work shoot podcast uh you know we've mentioned how Sean is learning wrestling terms hey I'm, I'm learning I'm learning I'm getting there He's learning all the wrestling terms on the worksheet podcast with Corey and uh, Oh shoot. shame on me. I forgot the other dude's name, but he's from Chicago and I should know. Jason. Him. Thank Jason. you, Jason. Yeah. Very entertaining show. And like I said, the best part about this show is that they talk about all types of wrestling, not just WWE. And of course, Sunday mornings, we start your life group podcast experience with the total basis podcast right here, talking some real and virtual and fantasy baseball with Sean. So for Sean, Leon, thank you again for showing up. I'm Felipe.